Many years ago, Riley Knight completed a degree in history. This proved to be a bad move, as it was absolutely useless for him. Until now, here's some half-assed history. What's going on, mate? Great to have you along for some more half-assed history. This week on the agenda, going to be having a chat about the War of the Oaken Bucket. Absolute bloody scorcher today. In 1325, nearly 40,000 troops met in uh, in what is today uh, northern Italy to fight a vicious and bloody battle because some cheeky bastards once nicked a bucket from a well in Bologna. Let's get to the story. Kicking it off in, uh, well, we've actually got to go back a fair way here. We're going back nearly 300 years to 1075 to explain the broader historical context uh, to this battle over a wooden bucket, what was nicked out of a well one time. So in 1075, huge big blue in Europe, huge big conflict in Europe between the Catholic Pope and a bunch of European kings and, and queens called the Investiture Controversy. Now, it involved all, all sorts of really boring rubbish, like who, who got to appoint priests and bishops and, and that sort of nonsense. But it was important because it basically was a conflict between church and state. So essentially, the Pope was going around telling monarchs, especially in the Holy Roman Empire, to mind their P's and Q's and stop selling religious titles to people, a process which, a process which was called simony. And now, obviously, the monarchs, they didn't like this because they got a bunch of cash from uh, from simony, and they uh, they told the Pope to stick it right up his holy ass. Uh, now, the, the Popes didn't like this, and as a result, there's all sorts of conflict and arguments and, and, and all that sort of stuff going on until 1122, when after decades and decades of, you know, this stupid nonsense rubbish fighting, there's eventually an agreement made that more or less, uh, it essentially gets rid of simony. It's a treaty that's rather excitingly called called the Concordat of Worms. Now, it's unfortunately, it has nothing to do with actual worms because it's, it's just named after the town where it was signed. It's not worm, worms, actually, worms, which is obviously in today Germany. And now, I, I, will, I will say this. This is not the only stupid German town name. Not only is there a, a small a village in Germany called Lederhosen, so leather pants, there's also Katzenhorn, which means cat brain. There's Regenmantel, which means raincoat. So imagine living in the town of raincoat. But my personal favourite, ladies and gentlemen, is the town of Kotzen, which means vomit. So there's that. Germany, my friends. Anyway, after this concordat had been signed, the issue uh, the issue is more or less over. And although the Holy Roman Empire and the papacy aren't, they're not always, you know, bloody busy mates or anything, things have generally kind of chilled out uh, for a few years. But then in 1154, the Holy Roman Emperor uh, Frederick Barbarossa, he decides, nah, look, bugger this for a joke, bugger those Italian bastards too, and he invades Italy to teach Pope Alexander III a very sharp lesson here. Uh, unfortunately for him, he ultimately gets a, a, a sound thrashing from the Lombard League, who support the Pope, in 1176 at the Battle of Legnano. Now, with Frederick's defeat, that's more or less it for the big blockbuster, uh, you know, uh, Holy Roman Empire papacy conflict for the time being. However, however, as a result of this uh, this conflict, there are two groups of blokes in in what today is modern uh, northern Italy who don't want to stop scrapping after Frederick buggers off back to the Holy Roman Empire. The Guelphs and the Ghibellines. Now, the Guelphs they su- they support the papacy. And the Ghibellines support the Holy Roman Empire. So the Guelphs are from the south, the, the Ghibellines are from the north. Uh, again, this is happening, happening in what today is northern Italy. Even after the Holy Roman Empire and the papacy, you know, chill out, 
calm down, go back to their homes and stop having a crack at each other, the Guelphs and the Ghibellines still absolutely hate each other and still want to punch on. And this is where we begin the tale proper of the War of the Oaken Bucket, because it happened between these two, uh, these two rival factions here. So, the Guelph and the Ghibellines, as I say, they're political factions. They're kind of like political parties rather than nations. They control different towns and cities throughout northern Italy, and the allegiance of these towns and cities, they changed at the drop of a hat. Broadly speaking, the Guelphs were wealthy merchants, while the Ghibellines were the agricultural landowners. So we've got the merchants on the side of the papacy, and we've got the, the farmers on the side of the Holy Roman Empire. This conflict between the Guelphs and the Ghibellines continued absurdly for hundreds and hundreds of years until the Italian wars in the 16th century made them irrelevant, essentially just, you know, sort of became obsolete at that point. Now, it sounds ridiculous that, you know, these these idiots just wouldn't let up. They're fighting political battles for centuries. They're fighting in places like Genoa and Florence, where powerful and influential families are helping their respective sides in supporting either the interests of the papacy or the Holy Roman Empire. And they fought actual real-life battles, too, with swords and blood and guts and all that sort of stuff. Uh, where people died. I mean, you know, this was this was a real cost. This wasn't just a political spat. People lost their lives because of the this long-held grudge between the papacy and the Holy Roman Empire, the Guelphs and the Ghibellines. Uh, they fought the Battle of Legnano in 1176, as I said, along with uh, where along with Frederick, the Ghibellines also. Uh, also got their asses handed to them, and, and thousands and thousands died. They fought the Battle of Corte Nuova in 1237, where this time the Ghibellines got up and about, but again, thousands died. Uh, they fought on the seas in the Battle of Giglio in 1241, they, and then back on land in the Battle of Palma in 1248, the Battle of Fossa in 1249, Cassano in 1250, uh, 1259, uh, the Battle of Monteperti in 1260, the Battle of Benevento in 1266, and the Battle of Colaval de Elsa in uh, 1269. Nice. Uh, in each of these battles, Thousands of troops die, and all because they can't let go of this grudge from over 150 years ago. So thousands and thousands of people have lost their lives as a result of this political spat that just is continuing to bubble over and over and over and over. Anyway, oh, actually, hang on. There's one more. There's one more fight. In 1289, the the Ghibellines uh, get beaten again by the Guelphs in the in the Battle of uh, Campaldino, where once again thousands died and in this week's very mildly interesting trivia Dante Alighieri who went on to write the Divine Comedy fought in this very battle in 1289 uh, for the Guelphs so there you go I hope that was in some way useful interesting for you anyway the point here is that these blokes absolutely bloody hate each other's guts they hate each other's guts and after hundreds of years of hating each other's guts it's unsurprising that by this by the time it gets to the 1300s they're ready to kick things into top gear and go to war with each other over the theft of a wooden bucket So we've talked about the Guelphs and the Ghibellines in a general sense, but the specific uh, individual factions or the individual area in which to, in which this battle took place involved Medina and Bologna. Now, Medina and Bologna are two towns uh, towards the northern end of today's Italy, around about the top of that little sort of boot bit of it, and they're about 40 kilometres away from each other. Both are allied to different factions, however, 
Uh, so Bologna is all about the the uh, the Guelphs and the papacy, whereas Medina is all about the Ghibellines uh, and therefore the Holy Roman Empire. So Medina slightly further north, although not not significantly. Uh, they're in, with the Holy Roman Empire, and the the, the Guelphs in Bologna are uh, the you know loyal to the Pope. So they've been having uh, cracks at one another, you know, for donkey's years, for for ages. Uh, in twelve ninety six, however, Bologna captures some land that's owned by Medina, and were very happy with themselves. They're they're getting sore arms from patting themselves on the back. Uh, now the Modernese, they don't like this at all. They don't like it very much at all, and as a result, they start to hassle the Bolognese in retaliation, so much so that their leader, Mantuan Passerino Bonacolsi, he gets condemned by the Pope and has a bounty put on his head. Well, it's not, a, it's not really a bounty as such. It's basically the Pope says that he'll grant indulgences to anyone who can, uh, you know, cause harm or damage to come to Mantuan or any of his property or anything else like that. So essentially a bounty, but, you know, not in, not in so many words. Anyway, indulgences, if you don't know what an indulgence was, they were the sort of like get-out-of-jail-free card in the Catholic Church. So you could go and have all sorts of, you know, premarital sex and have abortions and all sorts of other things that Catholics hate and then use the indulgences at the old pearly gates to get away with it scot-free. So, you know, you could go and fornicate and have your period at a temple and do all that sort of stuff and, and you'd be fine. Anyway, the Catholic Church, they use them as fundraisers, essentially. So they sell them to kings and, you know, princes and all that sort of stuff instead of raffles for a meat platter. They'd, you know, flog all these indulgences. Anyway, um, as things continue to go from bad to worse, as the, the Modernese and the, uh, the Bolognese, they keep on scrapping with each other, uh, things finally come a gutter in 1325, when the, the Bolognese are raiding the Modernese territory like there's no tomorrow, uh, the, you know, they're burning and, and they're burning farms and fields and salting the earth like there's no tomorrow, getting all this done. They spend weeks reaving up and down the fields of Medina, slashing and burning and, and generally just, you know, absolutely having a, having a great time, uh, really, really uh, turning the screws on their opponents here. Uh, and in retaliation for all these raids, some Modernese soldiers, they, uh, they decide, look, had enough of this, we'll teach them a lesson. Total madmen that they are. Do you know what they do? You wouldn't, but you, they stoop to a level you wouldn't think possible. You wouldn't believe what they do. In November 1325, they sneak into the centre of Bologna, bloody Mission Impossible, balaclavas on, gloves on, everything. Well, probably not, but you know, still pro probably, actually, probably yes, balaclavas and gloves and bloody Tom Cruise Mission Impossible, probably. They go right up to the main well in the town centre, and if you'll believe it. They steal the bucket right out from them. They fill the, they then fill the bucket with loot and then lay it back to Medina quick smart. This is obviously one of the greatest political, military, cultural, and moral victories ever attained by anyone in the history of our civilization. Uh, you know, there's ticker tape parades, they're handed the keys to the city, and you know, they're bloody surrounded by all these people just, oh mate, well done, patting you on the back, having a great time, all this sort of stuff. Now, you might think that the Bolognese aren't going to take this disgraceful insult lying down. You might think they're not going to roll over and take it. And I'll tell you what, you're absolutely bloody right, because they absolutely do not. They muster over 30,000 blokes, 30,000 blokes, most of whom aren't even, aren't even properly armed, and they march towards Medina quick smart to reclaim what is rightfully theirs and undo this terrible stain on their honour. The Modernese, however, they've caught wind of this swift and terrible bucket-based retribution, so they mount up and they get ready to rumble as well. The Modernese, they've only got 7,000 troops, but somehow, somehow, 
they win the day. These ride-or-die Modernese troops are outnumbered 6-1 to one and lose thousands of men but still manage to hoist the trophy at the end of the day. Can't believe it. Now, they're, maybe they're possibly spurned on by powerful visions of stolen loot-filled buckets in their heads. Or, you know, maybe they're thinking of all the buckets that are left to left to steal in Bologna. Whatever it is, they are carried to victory and they chase the routed Bolognese all the way back to the walls of Bologna where things get even more ridiculous, if you, if, if, if you can imagine it. Instead of doing something boring like laying siege or whatever, who cares about that? Instead, they get... Listen to this. They get a full-on medieval tournament going, right? They're jousting and racing their horses around, getting stuck in with archery tournaments and a melee and everything. And all of this is done for the eternal memory of those sent out on the expedition and the eternal shame of Bologna. That's the public pronouncement that's made about this tournament. So they're doing this outside the walls of Bologna, really 100% rubbing in the faces. They've got their bucket, they've got this tournament going on, and they're absolutely rubbing in the face of these Bolognese. Anyway, after having well and truly embarrassed the pants off of Bologna by, you know, playing silly buggers like this, the modern they get out of there, they get out of there they bugger off back home to revel in their booty and riches and and you know again admire this bucket that they've nicked believe it or not the very same bucket that was nicked from bologna is still in medina proudly on display there in the town hall it's been almost 700 years and these bastards still haven't given the bucket back so what's the significance of this whole story? I mean, you know, it's all right for us to sit here and have a giggle about a stolen bucket, but what's the historical significance behind this story? Well, apart from the fact that it's it's obviously pretty bloody funny that these idiots went to war over a stupid bucket, the broader picture is actually very, very interesting to look at, right? Because the Battle of Zappolino, which is what it was called, uh, this this fight that took place where the 7,000 Modernese beat these, you know, 30,000 Bolognese troops, uh, the Battle of Zappolino was, was just one of the hugely, the extremely bloody battles uh, that were fought in this ongoing bloody conflict that lasted for centuries. The impact of this battle and the impact of of the conflict as a whole between the the Guelphs and the Ghibellines isn't anywhere near as famous as it should be. Uh, You know, why should it be famous? I hear you ask. Well, calm down. I'm just about to tell you, you know, just chill out for a second. Throughout the Middle Ages, the supremacy of the papacy in the the Italian peninsula was more or less taken for granted. And even today, the papacy continues to be an enormously important institution in in Italian politics and society. The fact of the matter is is this. This is the the cold hard fact of what we're talking about here. Had the conflict between the Guelphs and the Ghibellines, and more broadly speaking, then the Holy Roman Empire and the papacy, had it gone a different way, the world might have been a very, very different place. I'm not saying that if you know the bucket hadn't been stolen, then the course of European history would have changed forever. But, however, the fact remains that if the division sowed between the, Gel- the Guelphs and the Ghibellines was so deeply entrenched that they fought and died against one another for hundreds of years, well, I mean, who knows what could have happened if the conflict had escalated beyond blokes nicking buckets from one another. But that's it. That's all she wrote today, sports fans. That is the story of the War of the Oaken Bucket, a pretty ridiculous casus belli. If you've ever played Crusader Kings 2, obviously you know you need reasons to go and invade people. It's not just a free-for-all. You, know, you have to have a casus belli there. I don't, I've never seen the right-click declare war uh, because of a bucket option there. So obviously lacking in historical realism, it has to be said. Anyway, anyway, anyway. 
That is that. Of course, the usual reminders at the end of each show. I'm sorry to do all this boring rubbish at the end of each show, but uh, I do want to let you know that halfassissue.net is the website for the podcast. There you can find uh, a link to send me an email. Uh, you can find a link to my Twitter account, Half House History on Twitter. And you can find a link to my Patreon account as well if you want to chuck me a buck or two for these episodes. Certainly do appreciate it. Uh, I still have stickers to give away. If you want a sticker, send me an email. Uh, halfhousehistory at gmail.com and I will send those out to you free of charge no worries at all there and as usual leaving you with a question posed on Reddit we've got Reddit historian Mr Dan 1969 nice uh, asking this one here obviously a lot of, lot of chat about popes this week so Mr Dan wants to know Pope John Paul was uh, recently made a saint the last couple of years but why wasn't Pope George Ringo canonised <laughs> 